from the Brainswell Media Studios, welcome to Ad Sales Nation with your host, Ryan Dorn. Each month, Ryan digs deep on the issues and challenges facing media salespeople like you every day. Ryan is a 28-year media veteran, an Emmy winner, a sales coach, and he still sells media every day just like you. Now, your host, your coach, your fellow media sales warrior, Ryan Dorn. You have found it, my friends. If you're like me and you sell media each and every day, doesn't matter. It could be TV, it could be radio, it could be magazines, it could be newspapers. Maybe you're digital only. If you sell advertising, you are a member of the Ad Sales Nation. So welcome. I'm glad you're here. I'm glad you're here with us. We're going to have a lot of fun. Today, we're going to be talking about a lot of things really important to your ad sales, your media sales life. So uh, coming up, guests today on the show, Shannon McBride, our friend from the digital agency in Denver, January spring. You know, we're going to be talking about what we can do to not cannibalize our traditional media products because we're all gung-ho on selling digital. So digital is important. What do we do to make sure we enhance the traditional media buy with our digital sales as well? I also got to Mike Obert from Openlook Business Solutions. What's going on, Mike? Mike here in the studio. We're going to be talking about getting more meetings. Uh, Mike and I have been in the business a long time, so uh, Mike, stick around, stay close. We're going to chat about how we're going to get more meetings as media salespeople. Of course, my favorite, your listener questions. Did you send your question in? If you send your question in, we read it on the show. You're going to get an Ad Sales Nation t-shirt. So we've got questions from Rebecca, Albany, New York, in the house. Uh, we've got Mark from Bakersfield, California, so the West Coast, being represented. And then John from D.C., we've got uh, all of those questions as well. And, of course, we're going to be talking about seven things you can do to sell digital better in your media company. And that's all coming up. Now, I'd be a pretty terrible uh, ad sales coach, a pretty terrible ad sales trainer if I didn't have some sponsors uh, here of the Ad Sales Nation podcast. So if you don't mind, let me give some shout outs to those people that make the Ad Sales Nation podcast free of charge to you each and every month. The Ad Sales Nation podcast with Ryan Dorn is brought to you in part by Digital Agency January Spring. If you want to offer your advertisers expanded digital services like social media management, digital display, or search engine marketing, turn to January Spring. They do all the heavy lifting and you could reap the profit. You can find out more at JanuarySpring.com. That's JanuarySpring.com. The official CRM tool of Brainswell Media and Ad Sales Nation podcast is the magazine manager and the newspaper manager. This publishing CRM offers sales, billing, production, and marketing in one integrated package. Learn more online at MagazineManager.com or NewspaperManager.com. Openlook Business Solutions, offering media companies outsourcing solutions to reduce expenses in data collection, audits, sales, telemarketing, marketing, ad layout, and so much more. Find out more online at open-look.com. That's open-look.com. Now back to the Ad Sales Nation podcast with your host, Ryan Dorn. All right. Thank you, Deborah, for that. And thanks to all of our fine sponsors here of the Ad Sales Nation podcast. Be sure to check all of those fine folks out. Give them your business. Tell them uh, that you're really thankful for what they do to support uh, the programs here. Uh, the Ad Sales Nation podcast specifically. All right, let's talk about seven things you can do to sell digital better within your media company. Now, obviously, I'm a big fan of print. I'm a big fan of traditional media, big fan of TV, radio, newspapers, you name it. But digital is a part of our sales life. So what do we do to sell digital better? One of the first things we need to do, number one, is I really want you to understand that digital media drives the return on investment 
of the total media buy. Digital media drives the ROI of the total media buy. And the reason we know that is because of all the statistics that we have in front of us. And so statistically, what we can see is that we can see that we will get, as an advertiser, you're going to get, or we're going to get as an advertiser, better lift in terms of brand favorability, brand purchase intent, awareness overall, if we add multimedia to the mix. So what does digital do and how do we incorporate it to get more lift if we were trying to sell to an advertiser? So what I would say is if some, if an advertiser said to me, hey, Ryan, I only want to do digital, I would say it's interesting you say that. I don't hear that as much anymore because my clients are experiencing exceptional lift in brand awareness, purchase intent, and brand favorability when they actually run multimedia campaigns with us. Digital alone is not a dominating play. Print alone is not a dominating play. Radio all by itself is not a dominating play. So what do we do? What we want to do is we want to talk with our advertisers and help them understand the marketing rule of three. And what the marketing rule of three states is that if we want to get more return on investment, we need to stage all of our marketing in a three-step system. The first thing we need to do is pick either traditional or digital, and we need to pre-promote. So if we have something that's coming up in the month of July, we need to pre-promote in June. Then in July, we do the actual promotion. And then in August, we're going to do post-promotion. So we're always going to see the most lift when we increase the number of exposures for a particular advertising campaign. Here's a source for you. Millward Brown Digital did a survey of brands, and here's what they found. With one to two exposures, you're going to see a lift in brand awareness. You're going to see a lift in brand favorability and a lift in brand purchase intent as high as 9 to 10% if you do just one to two exposures. When you actually expose someone to your brand, Mr. or Mrs. Advertiser, three to four times, that 9 to 10% lift actually jumps to 13 to 14% in total lift or return on investment. When you get to five exposures, five or more exposures, what happens is the return on investment lift jumps from 14% to as high as 18 to 20%. Now, if you think about this, this is logical. The more times someone sees your advertisement, the more likely it is that they're going to potentially respond to it or they're going to want to engage with your brand or whatever the circumstance. So why don't advertisers get this? We all know that frequency will win out. When you want to get better return on investment, what do you do? You increase your frequency, Mr. or Mrs. Advertiser. The reason that advertisers don't want to hear it, the reason that advertisers don't buy that way is again based upon another rule of three. And it's called the consumer buying rule of three. And what the consumer buying rule, rule of three states is people buy based on three factors, meaning they buy advertising on three factors. The three factors are they're going to buy with their emotions, they're going to buy with their ego, and they're going to buy with logic. What's interesting is you really don't ever get someone that only buys based on logic. You'd get some people that buy totally based on emotion. 
You get some people that buy totally based on ego, but very rarely do I actually see advertisers buy based on a gentle balance of ego, emotion, and logic. Instead, they typically pick one of three. So as we're talking with them about return on investment, we want to have conversations about how this is going to potentially impact them emotionally. So we want to talk about how do you feel about the campaign? How do you feel about the price? Then the ego. Is this going to set you above your competitors? Is this going to potentially make you more competitive? Then the logic comes in. The logic comes in by us saying, we have a recent survey from Millward Brown Digital. And what it tells us is that if you want to get some amazing return on investment from your digital campaign, you don't want to just do digital. You want to do traditional media as well. Because with only one to two exposures, you're only going to see a lift in your brand awareness, purchase intent, etc. of about 10%. When you get above five exposures, it jumps to as high as 20%. It's all about frequency. It's all about top of mind awareness. So if we're going to sell more digital, and that's the focus of our conversation today, we have to help advertisers understand the rule of three. Digitally, maybe you pre-promote, then you do traditional media for your actual promotion, and then your post-promotion, maybe you do digital as well there. Recognizing that if, if we follow the marketing rule of three, we will see a better lift in our overall campaign as it relates to return on investment. Number two, print and digital actually really complement each other to drive return on investment. I'm sure you're familiar with a company called Nielsen. Nielsen does TV ratings. They also do a lot of studies of consumer buying and consumer buying habits. Here's what they said. When you actually combine print and digital or traditional media in general and digital, and once you get an ad scene in front of a consumer more than 10 times, you will see a lift of as much as 32%. So go online and search for this. Search for the Nielsen Ad Awareness and Intent Exposure Report. The Nielsen Ad Awareness and Intent Exposure Report. And what you'll find is that the response rate to an advertiser's ad, whether it's traditional or in print or whatever, is going to go up dramatically once they get beyond 10 plus exposures. So the Millward Brown study, what it told us is that over five, we get as high as a 20% lift. What we're seeing with Nielsen is when you get beyond the five, it stays about, it's about the same. Five, six, seven, eight, nine exposures, you get about the same lift. But once you get beyond 10 total exposures, then all of a sudden your lift jumps 32.5%. It takes off like a freaking rocket ship. See, the reason this is important is because we have to begin selling digital based upon frequency and not based upon click-through rates. Listen to me carefully. We have to begin to sell digital based on frequency as opposed to click-through rates and trackability. Now, you might say, Ryan, why is that? That is what makes digital so amazing. I get it. But here's the simple statistic. The simple statistic is that click-through rates in general are actually on a three-year statistical low. They're actually trending down. People are clicking less now than they ever have before. So because of that, we've got to ask ourselves, if we continue to sell our digital products based on trackability and clickability, and our number of clicks is actually statistically going down, very soon we're not going to have as much to sell. 
So because of that, we need to begin to change the conversation as we're selling digital to help people understand that digital is affordable frequency. Sure, we're always going to be able to track it. And as a matter of fact, you can track print as well if you want to put the effort into it. But the simple fact is click-through rates are on the decline. Why do you think that Facebook made their massive algorithm change, the meaningful interactions change that they made in January? Because they, people weren't clicking on their ads, so their advertisers were unhappy. Knowing that print and digital derive and complement each other, it's very easy for us to go to a website like magazines.org and go look at the MPA numbers that tell us very, very clearly print media is going to give us an 8% lift over online in terms of how people feel about your brand. When you add print to a digital campaign, it's going to increase your brand favorability by as much as 11%. So what I'm saying is digital on its own is absolutely fine. But when you add traditional media like print to the mix, it actually drives purchase intent, brand favorability, etc. even higher. If you're in the print business, some of you are, you can go to magazines.org forward slash factbook and potentially can check that out as well. It leads us to point number three. People should buy our digital because our digital is aligned with a trusted brand. Buyers trust branded websites like our media websites, radio, TV, newspapers, magazines, you name it. Buyers trust our branded websites way more than social media or Google search. Back to some more Nielsen information. Nielsen puts out what's called the Advertising Trustworthiness Index or Trustworthiness Ranking. At the very top of that index, the most trusted form of advertising is, what do you think it is? The most trusted form of advertising. Recommendations from people that I know. That's the most trusted form of advertising. I don't find that to be surprising. Number two on the list, branded websites. Like ours, branded websites, number two. Guess what's number 15 on the list? All the way down in 15th place. Ads on social networks and ads on search engines. So ads on social networks and ads on search engines are 15th on the total list of most trusted advertising sources, whereas our branded websites are number two on the list. So where do ads in magazines, TV, radio ads, where do they fall? Right in the middle, five, six, seven. So recommendations is number one, branded websites is number two, ads on TV, radio, and magazines, they all fall right in the middle, four, five, six, and way down at the bottom, well below the top 10, is ads served in social, uh, social networks, in ads searched, uh, searched on Google and things like that. So one of the things that I like to share when I'm trying to sell my digital products is that buyers trust us. Buyers trust branded websites like ours. And what we're trying to do is we're trying to drive the familiar factor. It's one of the most important things that we do as media companies. We help consumers become familiar with your brand or your service. That's one of the things that we do best. Number four of seven, recognize the consumer buying cycle demands digital. The consumer buying cycle demands multimedia. The consumer buying cycle demands that we do TV, radio, and magazines. What's interesting is that advertisers with us typically run a run one ad, and then they want to get amazing results from that. So they're looking for magic. They're looking for sort of lightning in a bottle that quite honestly is just, is just not going to happen. The consumer buying cycle, this is how it works. When people have a need, 
that's when they begin to react to advertising. When they have a need, the interesting piece is most people don't have a need right now. They will have a need for a plumber. They will have a need to buy a machine for work. They will have a need eventually. So we have to advertise to them and pre-promote to them. When they have a need, that's when we kick into full gear. When they have a need, they're going to be socially influenced by us through social campaigns, radio ads, print ads, etc., events, e-newsletters, those type of things. Before they make a purchase, they're going to personally consider it. How's it going to impact me? How's it going to impact my life? How's it going to impact my job at work? When they're personally considering things, they're impacted by our social ads that we offer, our print, our radio, our TV, our events, our e-newsletters, those type of things. Before somebody makes a purchase, what they're going to do is they're going to doubt themselves. They're going to need validation. That's where we come into the mix. The consumer buying cycle demands that we do digital. It demands that we do print. It demands that we do TV because we are driving the familiar factor. People will interact with us because they're familiar with us. They trust us as media companies. One of the things that we do better than anybody else is we drive the familiar factor home. Now, when we're selling digital, uh, number five of seven, is it's important for us to be able to explain to our advertisers that social media isn't cheap anymore. Typically, social media is only cheap if your time is worth nothing. <laughs> Because it takes so much time to manage it. Even if you outsource it, it takes time to manage it. After Facebook's meaningful interactions algorithm change, the cost of advertising went up exponentially. Your reach went down, Mr. or Mrs. Advertiser. We've got webinars about that over at 360adsales.com, so check it out. Social media is just not cheap anymore. It used to be that you could buy a Google search click for pennies. Now, for my business and my wife's business, we're talking $3 to $5 every time that we need to we pay for someone to click. Also recognize those of you that are in the B2B business. Quite honestly, social media is not the answer for banks and people like that. People don't interact with banks and hospitals via social. And if you're in the trade business, like maybe you're in the tire business or you're in the plastics business or something like that, to think that somebody in that business is going to interact because of seeing an ad on social media, that's just a little bit far-fetched. Number six of seven, to sell digital better, understand that our digital as media companies is permission-based. People have given us permission to send them things. So because of that, we are permission-based marketers. If a local business or a national business is trying to go direct to one of their clients, direct to one of their customers, that's intrusion-based. Were you aware that the Wall Street Journal reported that 57% of email recipients do not trust emails from vendors that they know well? Okay, so if I've got an advertiser of mine that is saying, hey, I've got my own Facebook page, I've got my own database, I've got my own email list, why do I need you? Were you aware that the Wall Street Journal reported that 57% of recipients of emails do not trust emails from vendors that they know very, very well? Our digital is permission-based and it is aligned with content that they trust. They listen to our radio station for a reason. They like the music or the programming, and your advertising just happens to dovetail on that. 
They read our magazine because they love the content or the content impacts their life. So two pieces of this. One, we are permission-based marketers. Nobody's surprised when they see or hear an ad. And if you're trying to go direct to your customer, half of the time, more than half of the time, the Wall Street Journal tells us they don't trust emails, even from vendors that they know well. Last but not least, I would encourage you to adopt, you know, what I would refer to as a plus program, a plus mentality in your media company. So let me explain. If you're a print company, I would adopt a print plus mentality in your media company. If you're a radio company, I would adopt a radio plus mentality. What does it mean? What that means is the more traditional media you buy from me, the more I will unlock for you in the digital kingdom of success. See, I argue with people a lot of times. They say, Ryan, if someone wants to buy digital from me, heck, I'm going to sell them digital. Well, what I like to do is I like to create proposals that always have digital and traditional media as a blended buy, a multimedia buy. Even if someone doesn't ask me for print, I include it. Even if somebody doesn't ask me for a radio, I include it. When I'm selling sponsorships for my big event, even if somebody doesn't ask for a webcast commercial, I include it. Why do I include it? Because I want them to see how much they can save by buying multiple media from us. And also, in my proposals, I show them the audience reach and how it grows when you buy multimedia. See, when I'm sending out a proposal at the bottom... I'm, what I'm doing is I'm adding up the total reach of all of these campaigns. So when someone says to me, well, I don't want print, pull that out. Well, I can pull it out, but you're going to lose your multimedia discount. And by pulling that out, you lose 35,000 people in potential reach. Are you sure you want to do that? If I'm doing a radio proposal, I'm going to put radio and I'm going to put digital. So let's just say that they buy morning drive, they buy midday, middays, uh, and they buy overnights, just as an example. They might say to me, well, Ryan, I don't want overnights. Well, I can remove that, but if I take out the overnight schedule, then what's going to happen is you're going to lose this much potential audience reach, and you're going to lose your multimedia discount. See, as you look through these ideas, these seven ideas of selling digital better, it all comes back to a fundamental understanding of digital in print or digital and traditional, digital in radio. These things all complement each other to help advertisers get more return for their investment. So number one was digital media drives the return on investment of the total media buy because it offers advertisers affordable frequency and also by that frequency being increased, they can get anywhere between an 18 to 30% lift in how the, uh, the advertisers and how their customers actually respond, rather, to that particular ad. Number two, traditional and digital complement each other to drive return on investment. Don't forget that Nielsen study I pointed out to you. Once a consumer is exposed a minimum of 10 times to a particular ad, digital or traditional, the lift in terms of how they'll respond to that ad, jumps 32%. Number three, buyers trust branded websites. The websites that we operate, the apps that we operate, are trusted by our readers. So because of that, they trust our branded websites. Our consumers trust the branded websites. So as an advertiser, you want to really be aligned with us as a media company. Remember, branded websites at the top of the advertising index 
social media, digital at the bottom. So for me, we want them to buy our digital, not national digital. We want them to, to buy our digital. Number four, the consumer buying cycle demands multimedia. When people are considering products to purchase, we as media companies are involved in the consumer buying cycle at every single stage. Number five, social media is just not cheap. Unless your time is worth nothing or you actually don't know what it is that you're doing. Number six, all of our digital that we do is permission-based marketing. Facebook, intrusion-based. Instagram, interruptive-based marketing. Client direct emails are not being trusted. We are permission-based marketers, and we do it better than everybody else. Last but not least, you want to adopt a print plus or a radio plus or a TV plus mentality in your media company. The more traditional media you buy from us, the more keys to the digital kingdom I can use to unlock amazing things for you. If people don't continue to support our main media products, we're going to be stuck. And for me, that's why I always adopt a media plus mentality in my company. Print plus, radio plus, TV plus, newspaper plus. The more you do to support my main products, the more I can do for you. You know, this kind of information is available for you free webinars over at 360adsales.com. Go over there and check out the articles, free webinars for you over at 360adsales.com because I want you to keep learning. This information is so important to all of us as we try to grow in our ever, ever changing media landscape. We need to grow each and every day. If you got questions about this or you want me to talk to your team about this, happy to do that. Reach out to me, Ryan at ryandorn.com my last name is d-o-h-r-n ryan at ryandorn.com of course you can find out more information over at 360 adsales.com all right coming up we've got uh, shannon mcbride from january spring she's up next after a quick commercial break to talk about uh, what can we do to not cannibalize our traditional media so she's going to give us some tips and tricks on geofencing and some cool things we can do uh, to actually uh, allow digital to complement our print products. Then after that, we're going to have Mike from Open Look Business Solutions. He's going to be coming on talking to us about how to get more meetings. And then we got our questions from Rebecca, Mark, and John, Albany, New York represented, Bakersfield, California, and D.C. That's all coming up next. All right, let's listen to uh, some information about our sponsors that keep this show free of charge to all of you. We'll be back in 60 seconds. The Ad Sales Nation podcast with Ryan Dorn is brought to you in part by Digital Agency January Spring. If you want to offer your advertisers expanded digital services like social media management, digital display, or search engine marketing, turn to January Spring. They do all the heavy lifting and you could reap the profit. You can find out more at JanuarySpring.com. That's JanuarySpring.com. The official CRM tool of Brainswell Media and Ad Sales Nation podcast is the magazine manager and the newspaper manager. This publishing CRM offers sales, billing, production, and marketing in one integrated package. Learn more online at magazinemanager.com or newspapermanager.com. Open Look Business Solutions, offering media companies outsourcing solutions to reduce expenses in data collection, audits, sales, telemarketing, ad layout, and so much more. Find out more online at open-look.com. That's open-look.com. Now back to the Ad Sales Nation podcast with your host, Ryan Dorn. All right, friends, one of my favorite parts of the podcast each and every month is when the ladies 
from January Spring. Join us as we talk about digital technology and as it relates to the advertising business. And I'm thrilled. My friend Shannon McBride is here. Shannon just uh, saw you in New Orleans and, or they, as they say, Narlins. Um, that was a ton of fun. Didn't you think it was a good conference? It was an amazing conference, and it's so wonderful to get to see you speak in person. So it was great all around. Yeah, it was excellent. I really love conferences. It gives us a chance to connect with our colleagues and, and things like that. You know, Shannon, one of the things as I'm talking about digital, um, which you ladies live and, and breathe every single day, I'm having some publishers and media companies, radio stations, et cetera, saying, hey, I don't know that I want to sell so much digital and digital services because I'm afraid it's going to eat away or cannibalize my core product, whether it's print or, or radio. I kind of think that's short-sighted. I'm going to bet that you've got some ideas as it relates to that. What are your thoughts on that overall? What are your thoughts on that overall comment in general? Well, it's a fair comment because we hear it at least once a week from publishers that we're speaking with the media companies. And the concern is they're going to shift the budget to digital based on how it's performing. And that's absolutely not the case. Um, specifically with the media companies, um, we see them having a unique audience. That's really what they're selling. And so we talk about how they can use what that audience that's proprietary to them mm -hmm. and leveraging that on digital. And one of the examples I can give you is most of them have collected um, email addresses from um, their subscribers. And one of the neat things about Facebook that you can do is you can upload your email database and Facebook's going to have approximately an 80% match on finding your subscribers Facebook profile with nice. that email address. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And then you can serve them your advertisers ads and you're selling that to them as a unique proprietary offering to you as the publisher. And it's an extension of the audience that you're giving them in print. Same thing with programmatic. If you have the physical address of where you're delivering your magazine, we can um, geofence down at the address level <laughs> and keep your advertiser's message in front of that household for 30 plus days. And so instead of cannibalizing or eroding your current uh, spend with that advertiser, we're actually seeing huge increases. In fact, we have a case study that we'll be putting out online here within the next week of a publisher that did just what we're talking about and saw a 22% revenue increase in uh, the first quarter that they offered it. They're now entering their second quarter of offering digital. That's awesome. So we see that, and it's something, too, that you can take from direct mail. So online um, redemptions have a 10% higher redemption rate than hmm. print. Interesting. So not only can you see the increase, but you can take it from your direct mail competitors. That's excellent. Okay, so for the folks that um, aren't quite as tech savvy um, as you and I, let's break it down a little bit for them. So you're either a magazine or your radio station or whatever, and through contests or through submissions or through the subscriber database on Facebook, I'm saying to an advertiser, Mr. or Mrs. Advertiser, I can not only take your, your print ad and put it in front of an amazing audience, but we've got 50,000 or 10,000 or 5,000 or whatever email addresses. We've loaded them up into Facebook and we can take your ad or your ad message. Not only can we serve it to you in print and radio or whatever. Also, what we're doing is we're going to be targeting our readers or our listeners on social media with your advertising as well. And then if I'm following you correctly, we can also then go down to a neighborhood level or even a house by house if you wanted to level. House by house. Yeah. So house someone will house. see the print ad or they'll hear the radio ad or whatever. And then in addition to that, they're going to see the advertiser's ad 
uh, when they open the Fox News app, uh, Weather Channel, Facebook, all those type of things as well. This I like to call this print plus is what I like yep. to call it or media plus. This is this is really amazing. And you said you're seeing increases of how much from these from 20, your clients? Twenty two percent in the first quarter that this was offered in revenue. And this is with um, a team that had never really sold digital before. They were maybe giving it away on their owned and operated, which we can also help folks monetize. So it's it's really it's it's an easy rollout because it's just what you're currently selling now, your audience. It's just extending that reach beyond your core product and and leveraging those digital channels that the advertisers are wanting to get in but need a trusted resource to get them there. That's awesome. And in the trade space or in the B2B space where some of these listeners are going to live, you could then meet uh, – you could have someone at your event, whether it's a local event or a national event. They could advertise in your show guide. Maybe they have a booth. And then beyond that, you could then take that data from the show and you could, could continue to serve, continue to serve advertising from that event sponsor uh, to an audience post-show as well, I imagine, Yep. right? Yep. So we call that event targeting and retargeting. So we pick up the device IDs during the event and serve the ads throughout the event. And then when they leave the event, we can service, we can serve those ads for another 30 days or until the advertiser's um, impression budget is depleted. So it's another way to touch point. And then if you're collecting the email addresses of those folks or their physical addresses or both, we can then make a unique offering just for attendees to that event on social and in programmatic. That's awesome. And, you know, for all the folks that are listening out there in the sales space, we're always looking. If you're like me anyway, I'm selling media every day. I'm always looking for new ways to make print media sexier. I'm looking for ways to make the radio stuff that we do and TV stuff that we do just even more appealing. Um, if the, if the word sexier, if that doesn't appeal to you or whatever, I mean, we're always looking for (laughs) ways to, uh, you know, to enhance the overall, uh, buy. I also have noticed agencies love this kind of stuff. Ad agencies. Oh yeah. This kind of stuff. Well, national brands are doing this quite a bit. Um, so it's a great way for you to take that audience that is truly proprietary to you and offer it to your advertiser in a unique way and um, help them reach that audience throughout the entire buying cycle, not just when your um, publication is hitting um, them online or um, on their doorstep. Yeah, no, it makes sense. You know, when we talk about all these things, I think a lot of folks get stymied or paralyzed, um, you know, paralysis by analysis. And there's a couple things I want to share with the listeners, the Ad Sales Nation's folks out there. Folks, I think a lot of you might think this is expensive to do this. It is, it is not. It is, it is one of the most affordable things that you can launch. And the other cool part is, and this is a pitch um, for January spring because I'm using them and, and so are my <laughs> clients, um, is that you, you do January spring does all the heavy lifting. The sales reps sell it, and you guys do all the heavy lifting, everything behind the scenes. That's unreal. Yes, we do fulfill it. So they don't have to staff up internally to create some big digital organization. We will um, come out and uh, train their reps and then um, help them with the sales collateral and get them to market and then fulfill it all on the back end, optimize it, help them with proposals, help them with renewals, all the reporting. Um, And then if at some point they decide they want this as a core competency to bring in house, we will uh, mentor their staff to get them there. That's awesome. That's awesome. uh, 
Yeah. Yeah, that's great. Well, we're always looking for new ways to grow revenue. It's part of our core uh, mission here um, at Brainswell Media. And, and as the uh, members of the Ad Sales Nation know, it's uh, what we try to do each and, uh, and every day. So, all right, friends, if you want more information on January spring on the fine folks, this is Shannon that's uh, been with us today. Uh, check them out online at uh, JanuarySpring.com. Uh, Shannon, thanks so much for your support, uh, your friendship, your business, and more than anything, thanks for uh, handling all my stuff too. Well, absolutely, Ryan, and love working with you and actually used one of your um, email subject lines to help get some customers in back into the sales engagement process. So, All right. Love to hear that. Use you as a tool as well. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. All right, friends, check them out online, JanuarySpring.com. Thank you. All right, friends, one of the things I always advise is if you find a coach, find a trainer, stick with them, because sometimes it's hard to get different advice from all kinds of different people, with one exception, and that is I always reach out for some great advice on sales and making money uh, from my good friend, Mike Opert, uh, Obert from Open Look Business Solutions. Mike, now, without uh, without giving your age away, um, I've been in the business for 25-some-odd years. Uh, how about you? How long have you been in the media business and selling media? Let's see, Ryan, that's a lot of math that I have to do here, but I got you beat. It's 28 years. Oh, man, that's okay. That's okay. So if you add it together, friends, you've got easily collectively 50 years. If you add on Shannon McBride, who's been in the media business almost as long as us, just on this one podcast alone, you've got almost a 75 years, we'll say, in collective you know, media experience. <laughs> That's a lot of years, Ryan. That's old, man. <laughs> hey, you know, um, Mike, one of the things that I hear uh, from publishers, sales directors, ad directors, radio stations, newspapers, you name it, is there's a lot of call reluctance. Every sales rep is really focusing in on working smarter and not harder. And so they're sending a lot of emails and they're not picking up the phone. And I wonder if we could talk about that a little bit today, because I know that you and I agree you're going to get sales done if you pick up the darn phone. So what are your thoughts on picking up the phone and, and calling people? Oh, yeah. There's there's so much stuff out there now, Ryan, with text messages and emails and social media. And everybody seems to forget their old best friend, the phone. Yeah. And uh, some of my best reps and, and even today for me, I mean, picking up the phone is the best way to go to close deals. And for whatever reason, people are getting away from it. It's easy to send out that email. It's easy to send a text message, uh, but picking up the phone is, is the best way to go. Yeah. Now, I've noticed we did a survey uh, of younger buyers here a couple of podcasts ago, and it was uh, email and text messaging was first, but then uh, second was, uh, you know, socially meeting people and then the phone. And so even with younger buyers, uh, phone is important. Um, so what are your thoughts on, uh, you know, you know, picking up the phone and just getting more done? What are some thoughts on that? Yeah. Um, you know, one of the things too, is when you're sending out emails, it's, it's really easy for somebody to say no. And, and when you're on the phone, you can mm -hmm. overcome objections and without getting that person on the phone, you might not know what their objection is and, and you can't address it. So it's always great, you know, to, to have that conversation, to, to know what their objections are so that you can, you know, close that deal and, and, and make the sell. Yeah. Now we, um, collectively we've agreed, we've been doing this a long time. I will admit, I don't know if you'll admit to this, but I would admit that I still, when I pick up that phone, my heart rate does go up a smidge and I've been doing it a long time. Do you feel that still as well after all these years? I, yeah, I do. Yes. Yeah. I mean, you know, that's why you've got to be prepared yeah. uh, before you get on the phone. You got to know kind of what you're going to say and what, and, and what route you're going to go. Um, you got to be respectful. Uh, you know, when you, 
when you uh, get that person on the phone and ask them if they have time to talk and how much time they've got. And, you know, if you've got a pre-planned conference call, you know, that's a little bit different. But if you're just picking up the phone and, and making some cold calls, you know, be respectful of these people. One of the things for me that I think is real important is I typically have something that I'm going to. So I have a reason that I'm calling. I'm either calling, hey, Mike, I've got a really cool idea um, for such and such that I'd love to share with you. Um, it's always it's also my voicemails that I'm leaving and my emails are pretty similar in the total prospecting process. So if I saw on somebody's Facebook page that they're promoting a zero turn mower, I'm going to call and reach out about helping them promote that zero turn mower on email and via phone as well. So I'm usually trying to call about something specific. I'm not really calling about advertising per se. I'm usually calling about something, you know, a little bit more specific. What's some other thoughts um, from you on, uh, you know, picking up the dang phone? Uh, yes, we've done uh, quite a few lead generation programs for people uh, where we are softly asking somebody if they would like to receive the magazine because they might be in a specific area or a specific business uh, so that they can see the publication. And then after that, then we'll ask, you know, would you like to see some advertising rates? Mm-hmm. Uh, so it's a softer approach uh, to get to somebody to say to say yes to something uh, before you go into any type of ad sales. So I, I like that approach of, of having something to to talk to, talk about, or or give away mm-hmm. uh, prior to to the adver- advertising sales pitch. Yeah, agreed. I mean, sometimes we'll run surveys um, that are basically about the industry. So then we'll be calling people to share the results of the survey. Now, typically, an advertiser will say to me, "Well, just send it to me," and then what? My, what I my response is, um, it's not that I can't send it to you; it's just that I'd love to discuss it with you um, in some detail because a lot of times some questions come up. So I like doing surveys, uh, industry reports, you know, and and those type of things. But then you guys have really good luck at Open Look when you're doing lead gen programs. You've got great success just going after the phone. Absolutely. We, we just did a project for somebody where we generated from a thousand leads that we received from them. We generated over 200 uh, prospective uh, advertisers that were interested in getting more information. Uh, but again, that was with the soft approach of, hey, we would love to send out this this uh, this product to you. And after that, then you go into the, uh, you know, would you also like to see the rates? Yeah. Uh, yeah, that's great. That's great. Now, thinking back over, you know, maybe because you've been uh, doing this a long time. I know we keep coming back to that point. Sorry. Um, you know, when you think about this, um, <laughs> when you think about sort of your top 10 salespeople of your career or your top 20 salespeople of your uh, media career, would you say that the vast majority of them burned up the phone lines or sent a bunch of emails? I mean, what's your thought? I, I would say... 100% of the people that I would consider to be the my top 20 all-time media sales all-stars were all phone-heavy per- people. They mm-hmm. were constantly on the phone. And they used different ways to motivate themselves. Of, I had one guy that would, for every outbound phone call he'd make, he'd put a quarter in a jar. And mm. uh, he would use that, that, that money as beer money at the end of the month. Nice. Um, so he would go and you know, <laughs> just get a bunch of quarters. And then every time he'd make an outbound call, he'd, he'd throw one in a cup. Yeah. Uh, so it's, it's those kind of things to help you uh, stay motivated. But yes, the top people that I've ever worked with were trailblazers on the phone. And they, they really exclusively used the phone to close business. You know, uh, Grasshopper Research had a pretty big study that they did. And the result was this: you're ten times more locally, a local. I'm sorry, you're ten times more likely uh, to close a sale via phone. 
um, than email. So it's not that email is not important, friends. I mean, it's just email is a piece of the total puzzle. Those that are highly successful pick up the phone. And those that rely on mass emails and email only, it's not that you never close any business. I just feel like you're not going to close as much. All right, cool, Mike. Well, thanks for uh, chatting with us a little bit about that. Hey, for those folks that don't know you, how do they find you guys online? And maybe just a quick shout out about uh, what you do for media companies out there. Awesome. Thanks, Ryan. Yep. You can find us at open-look.com, open-look.com. And we're an outsourcing company for uh, media companies. We do anything from audience development, uh, lead generation, uh, telemarketing work to graphic design. We do a lot of spec ads for people. Uh, We also do complete graphic design, uh, page makeup, uh, and a lot of data research and list building. Nice. So, yeah, give us a call. Thanks, Mike. Appreciate it. Big uh, thanks to uh, Mike and Brad and Kevin and uh, all the gang over there at open-look.com. I use these guys uh, for a lot of the work that I'm doing, data cleanup and stuff. So I encourage you to uh, reach out to them as well. All right. Thanks, Shannon. Thanks, uh, Mike. And let's get on to our listener questions. I know this is one of our most favorite parts uh, of the program. So we've got a question coming in from Rebecca, Albany, New York. And then we've got uh, Mark from Bakersfield, California, the West Coast, representing in the house. And then uh, we've got John uh, from D.C. Man, I've been in D.C. three times um, here uh, in the uh, last uh, month. I was there for the Specialized Information Publishers Conference. Uh, Then I was there to work with the uh, fine folks at Hanley Wood. And then I was back again for the uh, Area Alliance of Business Publications. So I've been back and forth to D.C. uh, a bunch. What a a great town. So we'll get to your question, John, here in just a second. All right, Rebecca from Albany, New York, upstate Uh, New York, Rebecca's question is, Ryan, I am hearing over and over again in my local market that word of mouth is my best marketing vehicle. Help with five exclamation points. All right, Rebecca. So for me, here's how I handle word of mouth is my best marketing vehicle. Word of mouth is only as good as your ability to control 100% customer satisfaction. And what I mean by that is I work with advertisers regularly to help them with a gentle understanding of unless you are guaranteeing that you have 100% customer satisfaction, your unhappy customers can go back to social media today and they can blast you. They can bury you on social media and it can be a really, really bad thing. So here's the story that I share. Those of you that know me well know that I like to tell a lot of stories. Most of them are appropriate, like tell a lot of stories. And so here's uh, what I might say, Mr. or Mrs. Advertiser, have you ever been to a restaurant where you didn't have the best experience, but it wasn't a bad experience? You just really didn't say anything and you figure, heck, I just won't ever come back again. Has that ever happened to you? Most people, if they're honest, will say, yes, it has happened to me. In today's environment, what people tend to do is when they have a bad experience, they don't say anything to anybody. Instead, what they do is they go home like a little troll and they get behind their keyboard or they pull out Yelp on their phone and they blast your business, give you one star, one and a half, and they rip your business. Whether you're a chiropractor, whether you're a medical equipment supplier, no matter the circumstance, doctor, dentist, lawyer, you name it, people are not afraid to go online and blast your business. So because of that, word of mouth used to be a tremendous marketing vehicle. And it's not that it still doesn't work, but it's not the sole and only source of marketing anymore. And unless you can control 100% customer satisfaction, you need to watch out for word of mouth marketing. Also, Rebecca, another thought on word of mouth marketing. 
word of mouth marketing for me is slow. And the other piece is you are relying on untrained people to take your marketing message to the masses. And so because of that, if you have some type of a sophisticated sale, so for those of you that are in the B2B business, specifically magazines, trade magazine business, it's very, very important to understand if you have a complex sale and you're relying on word of mouth marketing as to get the word out to the marketplace, with a complex sale, that can be a little bit dangerous. So Rebecca, there's a couple of thoughts for you. And of course, Rebecca, an Ad Sales Nation t-shirt is coming your way. Uh, if you got a question, reach out to me, ryan at ryandorn.com. My last name is D-O-H-R-N, ryan at ryandorn.com. Good question, Rebecca. Thanks for sending it in. All right, from the West Coast, Bakersfield, California, Mark, thanks for uh, sending in this question. Hey, Ryan, I am hearing from my advertisers a lot. I need to think about it. How do you handle when someone says, how do you handle it when someone says, I need to think about it? You know, what's interesting, uh, Mark, is I actually do hear that a lot. I, those of you that don't know, I sell media every day, just like all of you. So what I try to do, one of the first things is I try to identify the two most likely obstacles and I try to, to whittle that down to one. So if someone says, I need to think about it, very often I'll say something like, that's great. I'm really glad that you're considering this. As you think about this proposal or you think about this advertising buy, what are the main things that you're focusing on? What are you, what are you really thinking about? And then if they don't give me an answer, I try to isolate it. Is it price? Is it total reach? Is it our discounts? Is it our competition? What is it that you're thinking about? And I try to guide that I need to think about it conversation. So for me, I'm not afraid of I need to think about it because I, I hear it all of the time. Now, when someone says I need to think about it, the second thing I might do is really check to see if they are the decision maker. Now, probably you should have done that in advance uh, when you were qualifying the, the call, but if someone says, I need to think about it, you might say, I understand. As you and your team are considering this, is the final decision on your shoulders or is there somebody else that's involved in the process or is there other materials or things like that that I could potentially give to you that would help you in that decision-making process? Mark, last but not least, when someone says, I need to think about it, I'll try those tactics, but then I want to control the follow-up. It's really, really important. I want to make sure that I control the follow-up. So if someone says, I need to think about it, awesome. I'll work them through some of those strategies. Then I'll say, let's follow up. How about if we follow up, say Thursday at three o'clock, three o'clock in the afternoon for a quick phone call. I want to get that on my calendar. If they say to me, no, I'm good, or I'll call you. See, for me, that's not going to work. It's, and I'm not going to say that, <laughs> but that's not going to work because I know that they might go dark on me. So instead, what I do is I really focus in and I'll say, awesome that you need to think about it. How about if we, we get to back together maybe Thursday at three, I'll put it on my calendar, you put it on yours, we'll connect real quick. If your answer is yes, awesome. If your answer is no, I'm going to be respectful of that. Just want to get a quick update from you. So Mark, I mean, that's the most common ways that I handle. I need to think about it. Recognizing this. If you get too salesy and you try to use some of those closing techniques that a lot of people promote in their books or on Facebook, you know, be careful. 50% of salespeople come across as being pushy, according to an SAP study that I read not that long ago, 50%. So you really want to be careful about that, especially 
especially if you're dealing with a younger buyer. Good question, Mark. All right, John from D.C. John's question. Ryan, my boss is all about face-to-face meetings. Here's the problem. I'm having trouble getting them. Any advice on getting more face-to-face meetings? Good question, John from D.C. So there's a couple things I'd love to share with you. What does face-to-face really mean? Is a go-to-meeting or a WebEx meeting, is that face-to-face? I say, yeah. I say it's as close as you're going to get to it if they won't grant you a meeting. So have you tried meetings using that type of technology? Face-to-face in person where you're pressing, pressing the flesh, shaking hands, and uh, maybe giving a good side hug <laughs> or something like that. I'm sure that that's even better. And I, I think we all would agree that that's, that that's better. But very often I'm finding that people don't want to meet in person face-to-face. And so what are my thoughts on getting those meetings? For me, I am always trying to present something that's very special, something that's very, very important to them, something that's worth them giving me 30 to 60 minutes of their time. It might be an industry trends report. It might be a readership survey. It might be a Redex study that we did on their advertising. It might be a third-party audit or something like that. I need to give them something that's pretty darn interesting that they're going to potentially give me their time. Calling somebody to talk about their marketing plans for 2019 is probably not going to get them very excited. So I always like to try to bring them something. Now, I also uh, will often use the idea or the, or the strategy of, hey, Bob or hey, Julie, I'm, uh, you know, I'm going to be in town. Uh, I'm going to be in D.C. on Thursday for a conference. Love to stop by. I've got an industry trend report that I'd love to share with you. Could I stop by and share that with you? I'm going to be in town. You know, I'd be honest with you and tell you, I can't say that that works every single time, but I have found that a lot of times if you're in town, people will give you a little bit of time. Now, one of the things that I see, uh, John, overall, that's a huge problem is, is very often meetings are try they, people try to have meetings over lunch or breakfast or something like that. Back in the day, that was really, really common. Now it's not as common to sit down and break bread with people. Now, I love to do that. I'd love to take you to out to dinner. I'd love to sit down and be able to have a good, good meal with you and a good conversation. So you might try inviting people to coffee. Uh, you might try just asking for 30 to 45 minutes in their office. Um, I don't know how old you are, John, so you might be like me, 46, 47 years old, and you remember the days when you could sit down for dinner with a client. It's not that you can't do that anymore. It's just a lot more unlikely. So a couple of takeaways there. Bring something to the meeting that's worthwhile, giving them something that they think, I think that they would potentially pay attention to. The other piece is recognizing that maybe they don't want to do face-to-face, but they might do a go-to-meeting, which in my opinion is almost as good. Not quite as good, but almost as good. And when you're talking with your boss, recognize that one of the things I love about go-to-meeting that I absolutely love is that I can share things. I can show things. I can control their screen, and it's very convenient. So you might have an old-school sales boss uh, that really just doesn't want you to do those kind of things. Just recognize face-to-face typically wins business. I can show you an example. I have a company that I work with, and uh, they were their numbers were down. And so the one thing that they did is they said, everybody get out on the road. Go visit clients. And within 30 days, their numbers were up as much as 45%. So, John, I feel like um, get out there and get as much face-to-face as you can and come to the table with something more than just your smiling face. Bring them something else. And perhaps some of those uh, tips of advice will potentially help. Good questions from John and Mark and Rebecca. I love answering listener questions. Send them over to me, ryan at ryandoran.com. Ryan at 
RyanDorn.com. You know, friends, we've got so much advice for you, absolutely free of charge, available over at 360AdSales.com. So if you're on iTunes right now, check it out. Go over to 360AdSales.com. You'll find free webinars, blog, more about the podcast, and so much more. There's not an excuse, no excuses, for not learning as much as you can here in the media sales business uh, that we love. All right, friends, that's the podcast for the month. I sure appreciate it. Love having you as a part here of the Ad Sales Nation. Coming up, if you keep listening, we've got more podcasts from the last year that you'll absolutely love. So maybe you're working out. Maybe you're driving across the country uh, on your summer vacation and listening to the Ad Sales Nation. My gosh, torturing your family, your poor kids. They don't want to be in advertising like you. <laughs> so have some fun uh, with it, and uh, we'll see you guys uh, out on the street. Uh, don't forget about the fine sponsors that supports uh, this program, January Spring, the magazine manager, the newspaper manager, and, of course, our friends over at open-look.com. Hey, friends, I'd love to train your team. I'm booking for right now for the fall. I get pretty booked up throughout uh, the late summer season, so love to come into your office and bring the team there and train your teams. We're seeing uh, some growth of 20 to 30% after we're there with training. So I think it's really worthwhile. Reach out to me, Ryan at RyanDorn.com. All right, friends, remember if ad sales was easy, everybody be doing it and they're not. So we're either crazy, (laughs) which is possible, or we found a career that will feed our families for a lifetime. All right, friends, God bless. We'll see you out on the street. 